Hello, my beloved kittens. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com stroke smartest man and enter the offer code BOMBSHELL, B-O-M-B-S-H-E-L-L at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Different theme song tonight. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Proops. Hooray! Hooray, hurrah! Once again, the smartest man in the world, Proopcast, takes to the ether hive in the salubrious confines of Paris' most astounding English comedy club here located high above Rue Bonneville. It's uh, the So Gymnase in the So Gymnase Theater Complex next to a theater called So Gymnase. I don't speak French very well, or even at all, but I know two things about French. One, that um, uh, so gymnase means so many gymnasiums in French. And uh, thank you, Anne. I appreciate that. Uh, or super many, as we would say, uh, back where I come from. Uh, I've been in only uh, Paris only a couple of days now. We, we have way too short a time here. We're very, very busy on the Proopcast, and we've got to go to Helsinki, Finland. Um, I'm certain something's happening there. When I find out what it is, I'm going to report back to you guys immediately. Uh, there's a thing called the uh, Arctic Laughs Comedy Festival, and their hashtag on Twitter is, Let me amoose you. So, yeah, uh-huh. So tonight we're going to call this a frog cast, uh, if you will, because I want to I get in touch with the Finland sense of humor before I get there. And uh, by saying frog cast, I see I've alienated almost everyone in the crowd tonight, which, of course, was what I intended on doing. Later, I'll win your heart back with nylons, oranges, and chocolate. Um, thank you. Two people got that. Everyone else is like, really, Greg? We're going there immediately? Oh, yeah. We've only begun to fucking sink on this show. No, we're going to win so hard tonight. Uh, there's no place I'd rather be. And people ask me all the time. They say, Proof Kitten, they say, uh, Whither goest thou and harky hither hence? And like, but they ask this question, which I never understand. The two questions they ask are, uh, Where's your favorite place to play? And I'm like, Paris. And they're like, Really? And then the second question, Do people get your jokes in Paris? <laughs> Yeah, I play in an all-Parisian comedy club where no one speaks English at all, and they walk in and stare at me in bafflement. Ergo, the light reception from the crowd so far. You guessed it, America. I play at French-only comedy clubs. In fact, wherever I go, if I'm in Brazil, if I'm in Netherlands, no matter where I go. In Finland, I'm playing at a French club. Uh, it's called Le Petit Parfum, and it's, it's a marvelous place to play. Uh, it's, it's off one of the rock outcroppings. Do they have fjords? I'm sure they do. It's off a piece of land that the Russians ceded in the 30s. And, and that's where we're going to be playing. And it's a wonderful French club. Uh, no, the people who come to the shows in other countries speak English. That's how it works. You have to understand that Americans have never been very far from their Kmart. And so they get confused if they're away from the interstate for much of a thing. Well, you go to France. Like, do they speak French to you? Yes, the French people do, I think you'll find. Uh, until you go, je ne parle pas le fucking French. And then they go, oh, you're fat. Um... <laughs> Which they are, too, by the way, now, I've noticed. Uh, in any case, uh, on the... Oh, really? You're going to lay into them? Yeah, I'm going to fucking lay into Paris. We're in Paris. 
Um, nice dog shit museum, by the way. It's an astounding open-air affair. Uh, in the summer, the mayor of Paris puts a sur la Seine, and they put uh, tons and tons of sand along the Seine, and people sunbathe, and they, uh, well, I would say swim, but I think it's illegal to swim in the Seine. Frankly, I think the way that the authorities look at it, and there's a Seine boat police, by the way, and they're very sexy, and they wear little hats. Uh, the, the Seine, I'll just explain, I'll orient everyone out there in vodcast land. The Seine is a river that runs through Paris. Uh, <laughs> The Vikings came up in, in the 800s and raped the whole fucking place. It was awesome. Uh, the Romans came up in, in the old days and made the Parisi build a bunch of fucking docks and shit. Because uh, even the original Parisians, the Parisi, were busy smoking and chatting when the, when the Romans invaded. The, the Roman invasion came as a complete surprise to the first people of Paris. They were like, anyway, the other day, so I says to Antoine, I says, and then, oh, and I'll, what, what is this? And then the Romans, we want coffee and whatnot. And they're like, we don't have coffee for everyone. And then they impaled a couple of them. And the next thing you know, an embankment was built. Uh, I don't think the Parisians who lived here originally had any idea of improving the place other than putting up some umbrellas uh, and, and shit that blows away in the wind. Because that's what Paris is all about. Putting things out that blow away in the wind and then watching them blow away in the wind and then going, like that. That's what Paris is all about. Not going and getting the thing that blew away in the wind, but acting as if fate has intervened. Not, the na- not nature or the forces of earth, but rather fate has forced the wind to blow. It is April. This is unusual. I've been in restaurants where whole bottles of wine were knocked over, and the waiters just come out and go... And walk back inside. They don't clean it up. There's glass everywhere. I saw a small child uh, uh, pick up the glass and make a beautiful mosaic out of it. I bought it from him for a couple of francs. It was a while ago. See, because I used francs. Um, and, uh, but the, but I, I think that's what Paris... You see, the, the wind blows, the sun shines, the rain uh, falls, uh, then there's hail, uh, then a cab uh, honks at you, and then someone hits you on a bicycle. And that's all in about a 45-second to one-minute cycle that that runs on. Uh, it, it's quite frequent, all the things I've just described happening to you. Uh, and then a, a bus will go by, and you'll be like... <coughs> and then... <sighs> Paris. And, uh, and then a waiter will uh, scowl at you. I don't think people are rude here. I think people are busy. I get very tired of it. I was in Chicago recently, and one of the DJs in Chicago... Do we still call people DJs? Radio personalities. Well, I, I wasn't, it wasn't like he spun platters and there was wax all around, but uh, he was a jock in a show, and he, uh, he said to me, I was in Paris, and they were really rude, and I didn't like it, and I thought, I bet you didn't say bonjour. Uh, that's the key to everything, right? Uh, anybody needs to know uh, that's going to visit Paris, uh, gay or otherwise, is... Uh, that when you come here and you walk into a shop or you walk into a restaurant, a store, what have you, even, even the, the toilet uh, that are on the street that you put the coins in, when you walk into that toilet, the toilet's like, mm, waiting for you to say something because it's a French toilet. It's looking at you, judging, judging you. And then when it, you take your junk out, it's like, you know, because it's a French toilet. You have to say bonjour, and it's best if you sing, let's be honest. Uh, If you don't sing it, you're just saying it, and then you don't mean it, and then you're not from here. If you're from here, then you don't mean it, but you sing it anyway, and that's what being a French person's all about. People go, uh, bonjour, and they go, bonjour, like that. It's not like the police cards. It's not bonjour, 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 bonjour. It's bonjour, and then... uh, uh, merci au revoir, which is one whole word. <laughs> Several syllables, one word. Merci au revoir. 
so those are the two words I would teach you if you're coming from Cleveland, Ohio. Because uh, people say that to me. They say, Greg, where's your favorite place to play? And I'll go, Paris. And they go, why is Paris a place to play? And, uh, and, I, and then, I don't know if you've ever breathed slowly through your nose to contain your temper. <laughs> but imagine if I just asked you the question. Imagine if your job was to go around the world and tell jokes, or, or whatever this is. And... <laughs> And someone asked you what your favorite place to play was, and you said Paris, and they went, well, why Paris favorite place? Would you go like this? I, I, I don't know if I can make a loud enough nose noise. <sighs> because when the show's over, and you walk out onto the street, you're in Paris. <laughs> Does that fucking clear it up for you? I love Cleveland, Ohio. I've had some wonderful times in Cleveland, Ohio. I had a popcorn-flavored creme brulee there that tossed my fucking salad. What can I tell you? I did. It was at a little artisanal place. I went there last time and had a croque monsieur, for fuck's sake, in Cleveland. Yeah, you fucking heard me. Cleveland. Sur <laughs> les And, uh, uh, I, uh, but the thing is, when you're done at the show and you're in Cleveland, you're in Cleveland. And it's a bit of a letdown. That's all I have to say. You know, some places you play, like Bloomington, Illinois or something, or Peoria, the show's over, you go back to your room, you order, you pick up the phone, you're like, can I have a pizza? And people are like, it's 10.15 at night, click. <laughs> All there's left to do is violate yourself and try to get, gather some night thoughts. Not in Paris. Everything's open all the time. Uh, there's hookers down the street here. You can score drugs. It's fucking awesome. Paris got it going on, baby. Uh, and are the people rude? No. Just say bonjour. And when you leave, merci And that's it. That's all you need to know. Don't even learn what the words mean. Just trust me on this. If you walk into places and go bonjour, and then whenever, whatever transactions happen, merci that's, that, that's all you have to do. Everyone goes, mm-hmm. they're all right. And if someone says something to you and you don't know what the fuck they said, whether they're asking you a question, whether they're making a statement, whether it's a huge interrogatory, whether they've just given you their live fucking story, or whether they've just asked you if you want tomato on your salad, just say, all. <laughs> you don't even have to know what it means. I don't know what it means. French people don't know what it means. They just say it. It's like allora in Italy. People just say allora every two seconds in Italy. I think it means I'm about to start saying something, but who cares? In France, d'accord just means, yeah, fucking, uh-huh. Does it ever? You don't have to disco gun it, but if you want to, for emphasis, you can disco gun it. You can Johnny Holiday it the whole fucking way if you want. Yeah, you can fucking pretend that your skin is burnished bronze ferret leather that's been tarnished in the sun over the ages and what was once a camel skin is now a human carapace that's just impermeable to all the elements there's enough uh, oil and carnauban wax inside of his face to keep it moist till the end of time he has a bristling blonde peroxide albino hedgehog dwelling on his head the, the many, many eye jobs and, and uh, Johnny Holiday's eyes are kind of like this now. They're sort of... They're gazing at you balefully. But not in judgment. 
in pure French enjoyment. I worship Johnny Holiday, and I love all the phases of his career. I love the early, you know, rock star, early rock and roll Elvis phase. But I think my favorite phase of all, and then there's the later uh, giant turquoise jacket with the fringe on it, fucking stadium rock phase. There's the weird. Uh, I'll explain who Johnny Holiday is to the people in Proofcast Land. To the people in Los Angeles, there are other countries in the world, and they have stars. <laughs> I have news for you. Not everyone gives a shit that Amy Adams wore a wig in American Hustle, you guys. The fact that Christian Bale gained weight to be in a movie, hoo-ha. People gain weight all the goddamn time. I have fucking news for you. They just don't make a big deal about it and do an interview about it and shit. I recently gained 40 pounds to be in this phase of my life. I'm hoping to lose it later as I move into the next phase of my life. But until then, I'm going to carry on eating cakes and getting down about three or four bottles of wine every night, if that's cool with everybody. Been doing a lot of coke lately. I'm preparing for uh, quitting my job. How come we can't talk about our lives the way actors do with that import? I lost 30 pounds for a roll. I have to go to Hawaii. Uh, in uh, when are we going to Hawaii, Jennifer? October. October. Think about it. <laughs> if I gave you the goal, what month is this? Does anyone know? May. Yeah, May. Someone English. May. <laughs> That's M A I, the way the French spell it. May. <laughs> fucking May, mate. <laughs> fucking April showers might come your way. They fucking lead to the flowers, don't they? <laughs> fucking leave it, June. Bob Hoskins' calendar is one of the most important calendars ever invented. <laughs> Fucking my. <laughs> uh, may I have another vodka filled with vodka, uh, flavored vodka drink with loads of ice and uh, and vodka? Uh, I think it was a lime you gave me, but if you have a lemon, or maybe it was a green lemon. Sometimes lemons go green. It's a weird phase that lemons get into. Before they go yellow, sometimes they turn green. May. So we have what? June, July, August, September. What is that? Four? Can anyone count? <laughs> if you had to lose the amount of weight I have to lose between now and October, think about it. That's all I'm saying. This requires a lot of fucking work and dedication. <laughs> Like Bridget Jones' diary, I keep a... Thank you, my precious love. Oh, you needn't sneak. and No one thinks you're a Klingon. Thank you. She actually skulked up to the stage as if she... Did you steal this? If you did, well done. No one noticed that you skulked back up to, the, uh, to your seat. Thank you very much, my darling. Uh, if you had four or five months to, to lose a bunch of weight, could you do it? In other words, could you be rock hard for Hawaii? Will you look like... What's the cat who played Superman on that horrible Lois and Clark show? Dean? What was that cat's name? Dean something? Dean Kane. <laughs> could you look like one of the cast of Twilight is what I'm asking if I gave you five months' time. Could you drop the weight? Would you have the dedication to do it? Or would you just go about right around August, I should fucking stop eating cake. I'm going to go to the gym for real and I'm riding my bike to the gym up a hill with weights on my back and a gorilla that's what I'm doing I'm going to make it extra super hard so that I get the cardio 
I read recently that it's not the amount of weight you lift or anything. It's the super bursts of energy and whatnot. Like, for instance, you're like, <sighs> like that. I just got my heart going really hard. Uh, so that's how you lose the weight, evidently. And then the other question they ask is, they're like, really? So Paris is your favorite place because when you're done, you're in Paris. You're like, yeah. Where would you fucking rather be? My wife and I were walking around today. We went to... Um, uh, the, uh, the Des Arch Decoratif and saw the Dries Van Noten display. That's right. There's museums that have nothing but designer clothes in them. Wouldn't, wouldn't, couldn't you find that in any street in Paris? Places with designer clothes in, in a room? Yes, but this was curated. There was plaques on the wall that explained what the clothes were. Not like the shithole you went to. Yours just said Prada, and you walked in, and a dude gave you attitude and looked at you like you were stealing something and was wearing a Janet Jackson earphone like he was going to fucking sing Control to you later <laughs> while you were shopping and shit. That's what I never understand when all the security staff wear headsets. Shouldn't they come over to you at one point and be like, Control this, Control, whatever? No? Just me. Uh, I think if you're going to wear a headset, you should fucking use it at some point and sing a song to me. Be Rihanna. Uh, don't just fucking stand there with a... I have no idea why I'm holding that piece of paper. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, in any case, we went to the museum, and so it was Dries van Noten. Who's Dries van Noten? Um, he's from uh, a place called uh, Belgia, and uh, it's a country quite near here, and uh, they speak Belgese, um, and uh, Flumoon, and Walouche, and uh, it's a very interesting place, very small. Uh, they, uh, they make chocolate and uh, uh, jars to put it in, and... There's a canal, and, uh, there's, uh, and Hercule Poirot was born there. It's a very, very interesting place. And um, Dries van Noten, I believe, is from there, or Amsterdam, or someplace like that. And uh, he's quite a good designer, and he has a crib here in uh, Paris, and uh, uh, an atelier, and, and one in Antwerp as well. And uh, anyway, it was, uh, it was like the history of his costumes and whatnot. But the part that astounded me was that he had the temerity and the brass to in each room was the inspiration for whatever he had thought of, right? So one room was punk, so it's like uh, the Sex Pistols and this and that. The next room is uh, Asia. The entire continent of Asia is an inspiration, right? So it's China, Indonesia, India. And then there's a room that's India. Then there was a room that's goth. And he's got uh, uh, costumes by Scaparelli, by Cecil Beaton, by uh, um, uh, Cocteau. Like insane, unbelievable, museum piece quality. Uh, unassailable, fucking astounding uh, pieces of, uh, of, uh, of clobber that no one will ever come near in inventiveness or creativity. And he has them there and then his collection next to it. And I was like, that is fucking balls. What I'm going to do when I put out my box set of podcasts is at the beginning of each track is one of Richard Pryor's greatest routines. And then, followed by me going, the broadcast right afterward. And then you can compare... In a museum setting, I'm going to lower the lights whenever you buy this set, and you have to sit in a room that has darkened, because I couldn't see shit. And uh, there was glasses, like everything, there wasn't glasses, there was pieces of glass. Like, it was like an aquarium. In other words, it were cases, and the clothes were behind the cases. But I can't see from one dark room to the next, so I was up to the case, like, punk against each one. And I wanted to put my hand on it, and then I realized that would be icky, and so I stood back. Uh, and speaking of icky, before the show tonight, I don't know if anyone went down to the 12th, Toilets in this building here and so gymnase. But uh, there's a balcony here, actually, that I would have rather uh, urinated off of than go into the room that was downstairs. I don't know if anyone went to British public school in the 30s and uh, was sexually violated by a group of boys wearing rugby knickers or whatever. 
But that's what those bathrooms were like. There was an Orwellian quality that was inescapable down there. I really felt like Tom Brown school days and shit. And that someone was going to fucking horribly do something to me. Uh, what, do, what do they call the younger boys in, in the boarding schools in, the, in those days? Fags or whatever? I'm not kidding. You guys think I'm just saying fag, but I'm going back to a literary reference that's so above your head that you'll be going to a Dries Van Noten exhibit and looking in a darkened room at a piece of glass soon just to sort out what the fuck I laid on you. <laughs> Two floors down, as Dolly Parton said, they're drinking and laughing and having a party. Two floors down, there's a men's room and a women's room that are like the prisoner of fucking Zenda. They're, they're small, they're inconclusive, uh, they're black. Uh, and I went down to use the restroom before the show. The water had been turned off in both of them because we're in a Vladimir Putin Ukraine <laughs> lockdown situation here, evidently. Who turns the water off in a bathroom at a show where there's an 800-seat theater next door, is my understanding. Uh, and so I just put soap on my hand and went like this in a foul parody of washing. <laughs> and then I wiped it off with a piece of toilet paper. I might as well have just petted a dog that I found on the street that had leprosy. <laughs> I am such a sissy. The idea of me... First of all, if you knew me, you'd know that I have to bathe in hand sanitizer the rest of my life now. <laughs> on the flight back to America, I will be in a bowl, a shallow Petri dish of hand sanitizer the entire way. We should start the show. <laughs> In any case, I don't know if anyone else visited the, the loos down there, uh, or wh whatever they're called in uh, the water closet. Uh, but there was no water in the closet. It was mostly just a closet with a horrible toilet. And I got the feeling the toilet was judging. I didn't get a, a non-judgmental feeling from the toilet. In any case, uh, you should see the Dries van Noten exhibit if you get a chance. It's fabulous, and uh, the clothes are astounding. The problem is, and this is my problem with all museums, no matter how shallow. Really, Greg, you were just looking at clothes from a clothing designer today, and you grew weary and distracted halfway through? Yeah, that's the kind of attention span I have. Uh, halfway through the exhibit, first of all, there wasn't enough air. Don't you think like a Las Vegas casino museum should pump fresh oxygen onto the floor so that you're always invigorated and feel like gambling? Uh... <laughs> Halfway through museum, if you were near the winged victory of Samothrace at the Louvre, for instance, all of a sudden you got a big burst of oxygen, and then you went in the bathroom and did a rail, that you'd feel like, and then there was like a bar near each statue. Don't you think that would improve museums if there was a small, you know like when you do a charity golf tournament, how there's a bar on every hole? I'm sure a lot of you have done charity golf tournaments. That's why I bring that up. I only did one, but there was a bar in every hole. Or is it a hole in every bar? Or is it two girls for every boy? That's Surf City by Jan and Dean. In, in Surf City, there's two girls for every boy. Two girls for every... Two girls for... Key change. Is there weird French music playing or is it just me? Do you hear it? Yeah. Is there a piano on the floor below us? Apparently. Thank you, Archie. Someone, apparently. That was Scotland weighing in. <laughs> if something is so blatantly obvious that it's obvious to everyone, Greg, why state it? I think was the thesis of that last one. Uh, in any case, uh, if the, the, the water's working again in the bathroom. I want you to know that. And I also want you to know that if depression is a word that you're familiar with, I'd like to take you to what's called the backstage here. Because <laughs> if you've ever belonged to a cult, 
where the, the leader uh, had one uh, gotch eye that was like, you know, like sort of gray and the other one was brown and they looked at you like that and they wore a weird turban and shit and there was a punishment room for the children. That's what that room's like back there. <laughs> There's a mirror and when I looked in it, I saw a lot of things. <laughs> Not all of them were wholesome. My reflection was the last thing I saw. Let me put it that way. It's freaky deaky back there. It's, it's a Freakosaurus Rex uh, enclosure is what it is. Do not feed the Freakosaurus Rex because it is fucking chuffed off at you right now. Possibly because it went down to the little Rex room and there was no fucking water. And you know, even though it's a lizard, a thunder lizard, they need water too. They have to wash their little... And you know how hard it is for a T-Rex to turn the fucking faucet? And then when the disappointment when it finally turns it and there's no water, T-Rex is like... And they have to... They smash their tail against the toilet and whatnot. It's fucking terrifying. Um, I simply peed everywhere to show my displeasure. I went Irish setter and just... You know, like... Aren't Irish setters kind of scary? I mean, I don't mean like dangerous scary, but like their energy is freaky. Like other dogs I can deal with, like beagles. I remember my friend uh, Leon de Rossi's beagle in high school was named Joker. And uh, I guess after the Steve Miller album. Uh, and uh, Joker, when we would get high in Leon's downstairs room, would come up and put his leg on uh, his, his uh, snout on your thigh like this. And we'd be like, what's Joker want? He's like, he wants a hit. So you, you'd take his snout and you'd go and blow a hit of dope into Joker and then Joker fucking go sit in the corner. And by the way, the kind of music we were playing, fucking like Once Bitten, Twice Shy and shit by Ian Hutter. I don't know how much beagles love rock and roll, but this fucking dog seemed to. But that's, that's a, I'm going to try to find that if I can. And good luck to me doing two things at once. I don't think I can do it. I'm going to bet that I can't do it. Uh, but uh, uh, you, if uh, the, the water's working again in the bathroom, so that's really big news for everyone. And the, the, the backstage area, I'm not inviting you to because I, I want you to like me. <laughs> and I think it's too scary back there. Now, I had one in Halifax a couple of weeks ago that was, um, as I said, a David Cronenbergian in its awfulness. It was like a, an operating... Oh, yeah, this is the one. It's not going to play? Sure, it'll play. This, we would get high in high school and listen to this record. Uh, Ian Hunter was in Mata Hoople and he had bitchin' hair. And I wanted hair just like... And imagine a beagle is resting its snout on your thigh right now. And you're smoking Colombian red out of a bong. I said, imagine a beagle... Then imagine a bartender goes for a bottle of rum and rips the cord right out of this thing, right in the middle of it, and then goes, I'm sorry. And then I'm like, it's cool. Uh, it's a great song. The, getting animals high is a dodgy proposition. They have to want to get high because the first time is always a little reluctant. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure everyone in this room has thought about getting their cat high. It is hilarious because they tend to jump and then they fall, which they never do. And because they're cats, when they get up, they're like, <laughs> like they meant to fall. And then you're like, you didn't, you were high. And the cat's like, I was low dog. And you're like, no, you were, a cat, you were a high cat. And they're like, I'm fucking low dog. Cool it. <laughs> you can get into some philosophical discussions with your cat. 
And the whiter and fluffier they are, the funnier it is when they fucking fall. Let's be honest. Although if they're, you know, Calico, we saw a fat one tonight that was... Mm. This is where the dog... Solo. Joker. So in a way, don't you think the dog was kind of asking for it? I mean, most beagles are named Snoopy. Well, one beagle's named Snoopy. I think Joker's a groovy name for a dog. I haven't heard of a dog named Rover or Fido in about 45 years. I think those names really went by the wayside. Has anyone ever met a dog named Rover? No. And the crowd goes quiet. This is an interactive show, as mostly me interacting. But uh, when I ask a question, they're not always rhetorical. I just wanted to know. Fido, I think, is an awesome name for a dog because it means faithful, I think. If I was Parisi, I would know because the Romans brought that name in. I, I knew a dog when I was a little named Pooch, which I think is taking the easy way out. <laughs> Because you're like, hey, Pooch, and that's why they named it that. It was my friend Forrest's dog, and his dad named it Pooch because he was like, everyone says, hey, Pooch. Of course, that was then. I don't know what people say now in the age of cell phones and fucking self-interest. I don't know what people call dogs now. For all I know, they're like, hey, small animal with four legs. How are you involved in my world? But in the 60s and late, early 70s, people went, hey, Pooch. In France, I have no... What would they say in France? Does anyone know? Sorry? Garçon is boy. What was it? Toto. Toto? Yeah. Like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, oh, I'm down. Thank you for that. Someone went, you know, Toto. Like the Wizard of Oz. Funny, I've never heard of that movie. Who is this Toto you speak of? Um, I think when you say Toto, I think of the rains... Uh, out in Africa. <laughs> Toto, that's so cool. That's really cool that they call it that. That you, that French people say uh, Toto. Tutu. Tutu. Je suis désolé. Tutu. Excusez-moi. Tutu. That's so beautiful. And, and why wouldn't they, of course, say tutu? Uh, it's obviously what a dog's name would be. <laughs> and, and cows are like, Lulur. because cows don't moo here, do they? In France, they go, moo. Yeah. <laughs> My point exactly. In America, cows go, moo, freeze, motherfucker. <laughs> I said fucking freeze. Uh, and cows here are like, Lulur. 
the wind, the wind she blows. It is not, I don't. The wind has, has tipped the cow over. Here comes a dog. Tutu. You mean this fucking Wizard of Oz? How fucking funny is this one? There's not enough Jews in fairy tales. And by that I mean vaudeville comedian Jews. You may have noticed The Wizard of Oz is a great deal funnier because Bert Lahr is in the middle of the fucking movie and goes, I guess there's no denying, I'm just a dandelion. <laughs> like that, for like a year, in the middle of a fairy tale. If Harry Potter had Jews in it, fucking more funny, okay? Thank you, Dumbledore. Should have been Dumbleberg, all right? Am I wrong? Then it would have been Harry Potter! Yeah, would have been better. Fucking J.K. Rowling. You know, you write an author and you write an author, but do they listen? <laughs> they do not, sir. If Frozen had had a, like, gefilte, you know what I mean? Let's pep it up a little. Brave and whatnot, if Brave had had more Jews in it, fucking funnier fairy tale. The crowd's gone quiet. We don't have kids, Greg. What are those movies? <laughs> I don't have them either. I was just fishing completely. If it was my movies, it would all be the 40s and shit, so. Like, I play Doug Loves Movies on the TV, on the TV, on the podcast Doug Loves Movies, and they play the Leonard Malton game. And all the movies are from the, uh, the 2000s. And like, I... If, if it was Le the Leonard Malton game and all the movies were film noir movies from 1949, I'd be like, I can guess this in one but when they do movies from the 2000s, they're like, this hilarious romp had Seth Rogen as a douchebag and a bunch of other douchebags doing shitty stuff that's not funny. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what fucking movie that was. Douchebag 2, this time it's douchebagier. This episode of The Smartest Man in the World is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com stroke smartest man and enter the offer code bombshell at the checkout. A better web starts with your website. The thing about Squarespace is it's simple and it's easy. Kind of like me. It's simple to use and it's easy to use. And if you're tech impaired, and I slightly am, because I was born before the digital age. I was born when we poured water into computer devices and they were powered by steam. It has beautiful design, drag-and-drop content, 24-7 support through live chat and email. They're located in New York City and Dublin. And no, they're not pixies. They're actual people. Plans start at $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. 
They have responsive design, and every site comes with an online store. Start your free trial now with no credit card required, and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace.com stroke smartest men, use the offer code BOMBSHOW to get 10% off. And to show your support for Doug Loves Movies. <laughs> or my show, The Smartest Man in the World. I love Doug Loves Movies, and I love Doug Benson. So you can show your support for both of our shows by going online and doing this. We thank Squarespace for their support of The Smartest Man in the World Proopcast. Squarespace. A better web starts with your website. I received some lovely presents here tonight. I want to thank everyone who gave them to me. Uh, a young lady gave me this one. Uh, it's a beautiful um, a card from the Musée Moyen-Âge, which I've been to many times with my wife. It's the one of the woman lasciviously stroking the unicorn's horn. Uh, on the other side is the lion looking at her like this. But that's been excised from this. As we say, uh, when you look in the art books and when you look on postcards, it'll say, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, tapestry le moyenage detail in brackets. Right? <laughs> or if you're an uh, uh, American parent, end parent, tenture la dame a la unicorn, uh, 1500, le touche, brackets, detail. Or as you would say in French, detail, ye, and she has written on it. There's a picture of a kitten, because kittens McTavish is our mascot, Chaton McTavish. And then a, a picture of uh, Tylenol with Codeine, which is a character I've sometimes played on a podcast called Harmontown. Uh, it's a unicorn. Uh, and they asked me, what, what is your name? And I said, Tylenol with Codeine. Because unlike regular Tylenol, I am not disappointing. Uh, <laughs> And if, you've dream, if you have ever been to England, they have it here in France as well, Tylenol avec Codien. But if you go to England, it's uh, Nurofen Plus, it's called. And I looked at the box that I bought yesterday, today. And uh, t- yesterday I bought a box, but today I looked at it. <laughs> and just to orient you. And on the box it says, uh, do not use for more than three days. And then on the other side of the box, in another little blue box, it says, can cause addiction. But I love that you had to go like, do you not use it for more than three days? Hmm, I wonder why. Eyes sweep to their left. Oh, can cause addiction. Fuck. <laughs> well, why didn't you say so? <laughs> That's a horse of a different color. Can cause addiction? You mean, I'm going to get high if I take these. That's what that means. No box the government approved would ever say can cause addiction on it unless it meant you could get high from what was in the fucking box. Uh, I find that you can use them every day. They're as regular as Flintstone vitamins. Let's be honest. If you drink too much, Tylenol with codeine and half a J is the best hangover cure in the world. And this says kittens and Tylenol with codeine! Exclamation point. And I'm leaving that exclamation point to stand. Normally I'd cross it out. Uh, and the kitten's saying, uh, we are going nowhere, are we? We are going nowhere, are we? Is English your second language? <laughs> and then the, uh, the unicorn, who has glasses on, by the way, and I can see they're progressives like mine, uh, says, uh, kindly lay siege to a castle off my shimmering rainbow dick. Because that's the kind of shit I say as a unicorn. <laughs> Beauteous I am, and my coat doth shine like that of a coat that would shine in a metaphor that I would seek. <laughs> Kindly lay siege to a castle off my shimmering rainbow dick. We are going to sit on the faces of our enemies, says the unicorn. Thank you very much for that. 
Very sweet of you. Uh, and then someone else gave me a bottle of uh, Pierre Ferrand Grand Champagne uh, Number One Cru de Cognac. And you tell me that you actually know the Ferrand family? Yes. Yes. Here comes the next question. <laughs> and I want you to be straight with me. Are you fucking with me? That's the question? Yes. No. Now there's a double negative that I'm confused about. <laughs> Does that mean no, you are fucking with me, yes? Or yes, you aren't fucking with me, no? Yes. Yes. Good answer. Because I've seen this cognac in many places, obviously, but then you tell me you actually know this family. You say, my friend has a cognac farm or whatever. Cognac ranch, what do they call them? Distillery, cognac. Oh, distillery, cognac. Distillery, comma, cognac, or... You know, like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you're out of the cask, you're out of the cork, you're out of the line. Step into the distillery, step into the night. It used to be a cognac ranch, now it's not, now it's slanch. Uh, Pierre Ferrand. So it's a cognac distillery. So do you go down and visit this cognac distillery? It's a chateau. You what? It's a chateau. It's a chateau. <laughs> That's funny because I believe recently I've urged people to kindly lay siege to a chateau off my shimmering rainbow dick. This is a chateau. That means little cat. Mm. Rolling down the street, smoking Mando, sipping on gin and juice. Laid back. <laughs> I got my mind on my chateau and my ghetto on my mind. Wow, that's nice cognac. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's a chateau. Well, I should hope it's a chateau. And does one sleep in the chateau when one goes to visit the Fraun family? It's a, the hmm? family, yes. it's a what? Gabrielle family. Oh, the Gabrielle family. I'm sorry that I didn't know their fucking name off the label. <laughs> This says Cognac Pierre Ferrand. But the oh, they sold the name. Ombre. Tasting notes, it says. But the letters are so small <laughs> and in a Eugene O'Neill type of cursive that I can't possibly hope to read them. I'd need an electron microscope to read these fucking words. So the Gabrielle family owns them. And here's a question that people often ask when you talk about famous and rich people. And it's a very impertinent, well, it's not impertinent, it's almost completely tangential and irrelevant to any real situation that ever happens on earth when you actually meet people. People will go like, oh, I was with, uh, uh, you know, Zizu the other day or whomever it's going to be. And then someone will go, are they nice? As if one, niceness is the quality you look for in people more than anything else. And two, that settles the matter. I met, uh, I met uh, um, Vladimir Putin the other day. Really? Was he nice? <laughs> no, he was kind of a facelifted, tyrannical maniac with delusions of grandeur who seemed like he was on a dazzling series of psychotropic drugs that forced him into a weird, aggressive stance at all times and that he'd also just done 15,000 sit-ups before I met him. And he was also small, flying a light plane and chasing a goose at the same time and had a human hand in, around his neck on a chain. Yeah, he seemed pretty nice. He seemed relaxed. 
Are they nice? See? They're really nice. <laughs> the family that runs the Pierre Ferrand uh, Cognac uh, Chateau. What are they called? The Gabrielle family? Yeah. Are they Italian? They're French. They're French. That's fantastic. And when you're there, do, they, do we drink cognac to the exclusion of all else? Like you get up in the morning and they're like, who would like some cognac? And you're like, I was kind of hoping for coffee and a soft boiled egg. And they're like, cognac. And you're like, but I want lunch. I want a club sandwich and a small salad. Cognac. And you're like, I thought we were going to have ravioli. I'm hungry. It's dinner time and shit. And they're like, oh, let's go for a walk. And they're like, oh, look, a cognac bush. And you're like, I don't, but I don't want a cognac bush. I want some water. And then let's take a swim in the lake. And they're like, the lake is made of cognac. And you're like, but I don't want them. And then the frogs are like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh And you're like, I don't. Everywhere you go, like bees are going like, you know what I mean? Is it like that? You said it was really nice. Are there unicorns there? Answer the first question last. Answer the second question first. Um, when you're walking around the premises at the Gabrielle Chateau, uh, is everything cognac or are you allowed to drink other drinks? Like if you have a glass of wine, are they cool? Well, they have gin, too. They have gin. <laughs> so it is like the Snoop song I was singing earlier. Yeah. You know, I like gin. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's not my favorite drink, obviously. Vodka, big with me. But uh, of all the things to mix gin with, juice... <laughs> I don't mean to be judgmental and shit uh, other than always but I, I think you'll find that juice is a shitty mixer for gin hey Snoop Dogg rolling down the street smoking Mendo sipping on gin and tonic with a light quinine aftertaste I got my mind on my lime on my lime on my mind laid back with a juniper berry all up in my thing, man. Right? That's what... I don't understand juice. I mean, in high school, we used to pilfer uh, our parents' uh, liquor cabinets. And uh, we would put apple juice with gin. And I remember drinking it, but I don't remember liking it even then as a, as a child. Well, I was only... Well, I was probably 16 or 17. Which in France, as you know, uh, you're... I think you were you're already divorced twice and had a habit. <laughs> in England, I know you do. Really, that's the only fucking song I have by him? That sucks. Uh, and then I also received this. Thank you for that. And thank you for that uh, evocative uh, tour of the Gabrielle Chateau. We know now that it's really nice. And aside from cognac, you may have gin if you wish. <laughs> when dinner comes on, do they have servants in livery and shit? And are there silver uh, uh, coverless on the, tr- on the plates? And then does someone come by with a tureen of soup and scoop it into your bowl and shit? Debbie the wife? Her title is Debbie the wife? Well, I, Greg the husband, take the gravest possible exception to that. Where is Danny the boy? And Elise the girl? Debbie the wife. That is so sweet that you know them. I wish I had rich friends. Well, I have one, but he... He lives in the Hollywood Hills. He doesn't have a chateau. Uh, um, uh, another fellow gave me this. Thank you very much. Paul Maison de Qualité Fondé. Uh, and it's, um, he said it's a very typical Parisian gift. 
It's the biggest goddamn macaroon in the world. It's really big. It is pistachio, isn't it? Yes. Fantastic. Thank you for that. When did you buy this? A couple hours ago. Yeah. I'm getting that. The only place I've ever been that was drier than that macaroon was the bathroom before the show. The lack of moisture in both places. Thank you for that. I guess it was supposed to be a prop really more than something I ate, but there was no way for you to know that I eat anything put in front of me. Debbie, Debbie, go get me another bottle of... Which Debbie do you mean? Debbie the wife, exactly. Not Debbie the fucking scullery maid. I love that they have scullery maids. Is there a groom on the premises as well? And he's all hunky, and he doesn't wear a shirt, and when you're taking a walk, you see him with his shirt off, and you're like, fucking, I have time. And then you go back for dinner, and Debbie's scooping the fucking soup in like before. And you're all flushed and shit. And she's like, where's, your, where's the husband? And you're like, je ne sais pas. And then she's like, uh, more, more encore de soup? And you're like, uh, no, no, encore de gin. Right? We get letters. And uh, when we do, and, and then the other question they always ask me is, uh, where's your favorite place to play? And then do the French people get the jokes? As I've explained, the French people aren't here for the jokes. There's probably a few French people here. And thank you. Merci. Thank you. Uh, thank you for coming out, French people that do. I always presume there's a few. It's just that, like, if, I don't know, uh, who, who would go to France and perform from, from that was a French performer? I'm not sure. There's got to be a more recent comedian or French performer that would go to America. They don't actually play for Americans and they play for French people that live in America because there's scads of them, for goodness sakes. Just like there's scads of expats here in Paris. Mm. Woo, indeed. <laughs> if you wish to write me, it's fanmail4greg at gmail.com and it's Google Mail, so please uh, include a message to the NSA because uh, <laughs> they read all the goddamn mail. And uh, if you want to ask me a question, it's smartestatofspecialthing.com. We're here tonight at So Gymnasium, So Gymnasium, So Gymnasium, Gym so A, in uh, Paris. And then, uh, well, by the time this drops, we will have already been in Finland. So by the time you're listening to this, uh, vodcast listeners all over the world. And by the way, if you are listening out there in vodcast land, this is an awesome time to pull over if you're driving uh, and open a bottle of Pierre Ferrand cognac. It's bottled on the Gabrielle family chateau premises. And the wife, Debbie, personally scoops the cognac into each bottle using a funnel of her own devising. Her thighs are enormously strong and rippling in the sun. And her family's enormously happy and they dance uh, uh, savagely every morning when they get up and play pan flutes. And uh, there's squirrels on the premises and they, they're, they're, uh, they're unrelenting in their joy. And uh, yeah, no, it's fucking good. There's butterflies, giant Gabrielle family butterflies, and their wings whip. And when you when they when they fly by you, you're like, oh my god, that smells like hibiscus. I'm intoxicated. Uh, it's re- it's pretty good. It's and you know what it is? It's really nice. Uh, 
We'll be in New uh, New Orleans, Amsterdam. We'll be in Amsterdam at Theatre de Nasse on the 22nd, the Soho Theatre in London on the 25th, the Hay Festival in Wales on the 26th. That's all in the next week or two. Then uh, I'm going to be with the Who's Line guys in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin uh, on the 29th of May at the Fox Cities Performing Arts Center, wherever the fuck that is, in Appleton, Wisconsin. Then we're going to be in Batavia, Illinois at the Fine Arts Center. Um, you think that France has fine arts. Maybe you've never been to Batavia, Illinois. There's a Dries Van Noten exhibit in Batavia that'll blow your fucking socks off. Fuck you, cocktail. Suck my cocktail until you fucking scaparelli it, okay? Uh, then we'll be in Bloomington, Illinois on the 31st with the Who's Line Boys. Then me and Ryan Stiles, the tall one, are going to be uh, uh, in Victoria, B.C. on the 6th of June and the 7th of June we'll be in Vancouver. Uh, go on my website, gregproofs.com and you'll find us then. Also, later in the year with Who's Line, uh, Regina, Saskatoon. I will be in Atlanta, Montreal, San Francisco, and then Edinburgh doing a Who's Line Is It Anyway show with Clive Anderson and a bunch of cats from the English Who's Line Is It Anyway. Later in the year, me and Ryan will be in British Columbia, Penticton and Kelowna, and then we'll be in Portland, Oregon, and then later in October, hopefully, Tallinn, Estonia, Antwerp, Belgium, where Dries van Noten comes from, and then Stockholm, Sweden, and shit like that. So join us in our adventures as we travel around the world. These are some of the letters that we received. This one was from Todd, Todd says, hey, Greg. Hey, Todd. How you doing? Good. Love the show. Thanks, man. Your last podcast, the one in Chicago. Well, by now it wasn't. By now it's the New York one, which is called Braves, but I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, was titled Knuckles. And in Korea, where I'm teaching, brackets, and also I'm learning Korean, the word for knuckles translates as lost nuts. <laughs> I'm going to try to pronounce this in Korean. Jumog. J-U-M-E-O-G. Does anyone speak Korean here? That took a long time to answer, you guys. It's really not a question that you have to think about very much. You guys cogitated way more than I would have on that one. I'd have snapped right to you with an answer. Anyone speak Korean? No. I don't, actually. I can say kimchi. You guys were like, huh. Does he mean speak Korean or do I know a few words? Or have I been to that place down the street? <laughs> anyway, Korean is a fascinating language. And this is a little nugget I learned, just learned. And you, as the smartest man in the world, might already know this. Ellipse. But if ellipsis, is that what they are? I hate them. I don't like uh, exclamation points and I detest ellipses. And if you're not, and you, as the smartest man in the world, comma, might already know this, ellipsis. But no, if not, comma, you're welcome. Let's just fix this sentence right up. First of all, it was a, a full stop, then an and. So you don't need the and. So you, let's take that comma out. You, as the smartest man in the world, comma, might have already known this, semicolon. If not, you're welcome. Two exclamation points with a heart over them. <laughs> Kisses, Todd. Thank you, Todd. Kiss, kiss to you as well. Or as we say in uh, France, bouche, bouche. Someone went, what? They don't say boosh, boosh. They say tush, tush. I don't know what they say. Uh, Dear Greg, 
Uh, this is from Leanne. Hi, Leanne. Oh, Lee hyphen Ann. Not even Leanne on its own. That Ann can't stand unless there's a fucking hyphen next to it to bolster it. It's not Lee Ann. It's Leanne. And it's not one word either. Dear Greg, yes. Oh, thank you. People always say hey, and I love dear. Dear Greg, yes, dear Leanne. I've been meaning to write you for a while. Not that I can really use the excuse of being too busy, especially when I consider your schedule. (laughs) Anywho. It says anywho. My husband, Martin, sorry, we're in France, Martin, has been an avid listener, brackets. He has tuned in weekly for the last three years. He's not from Liechtenstein then. And since we moved to the UK 18 MTHS ago, is that an abbreviation for months that English people use that I'm not aware of? Is it okay if I stick the O and the N back in there? I'm a little disconcerted by, we moved to the UK 18 years ago. I have no moisture in my camp. There's no, it's like I just took a bite of this. I just took a bite of this macaroon and I have no moisture in my mouth. I can't say months. I can only say me. In the UK, 18 months ago, from Oz has been to see your show several times. We are, in fact, coming to see you on the 25th. That'll be at the Soho Theater in London. Uh, the reason for my correspondence is to say thanks. Well, you're welcome, but I don't know what you said thanks for yet. But let's get to that. Something you said, something you said is one, in one of your podcasts really resonated with him. Martin? Oh. Très bien. That men of a certain age should dress appropriately. That's a gibbon. In fact, that's a many, many of the higher primates. You, men after the age of 30, fellas, seriously, up until 30, who cares? You're thin? Well, you should be. And everyone will let you inside their body. Thank you. A woman in the back laughed knowingly. The rest of the crowd was like, I don't think everyone. Trust me, everyone. If you're thin and you're a guy, everyone will let you in their body up till the age of 30. After the age of 30, um, about the shorty leather jacket and the weird high-waisted jeans. Something you said in one of your podcasts really resonated with him. There's a sense of deja vu. I feel like I've read the sentence before. That men of a certain age should dress appropriately. Well, as I was saying... With t-shirts, baseball caps, and the like, verboten. Verboten is a German word that means fuck no. He has taken this to... Don't all German words mean that, though, really? Is there a German German weird word that means lifted on the wings of a sprite or whatever? A woodland nymph came by and smeared my bottom with molasses, and now I feel magical like I'm going to enter an unbelievable swirling tube of delicious stars that fucking tickle me as I roll down, and all of my uh, secondary sexual characteristics will receive a frisson of uh, lavender excitement as I slide through this vortex of taste buds. No. There's no German word like that. Germans have a word that means, I feel good that you feel shitty, Scheidenfreude. 
There's not even another word that means schadenfreude. The French don't have a word for I feel good that you feel shitty. I mean, being French indicates it, obviously. The simple act of being a French person means you feel shitty, therefore I feel good. But Germans actually have a word for it. Uh, and then what's the other one? Um, uh, Aschenslass? Thank you, Anne. Thank you for getting that. There's another one. I forget what it is. Don't worry. There's a small child tied to the wall back there. He'll pick it up later and suck on it. He's taken this to heart, following a rigid regime of not leaving the house without a collar. Fellas, collars. They're what you wear around your neck. Well, I'm wearing my Pink Floyd t-shirt. Yeah, you're 45 now. You look like Jack Black. Purchasing a myriad of dapper blazers, banishing sneakers from his non-dog walking forays. I'd like to emphasize that sentence there. If you're walking your dog, sneakers are awesome. If you're sneaking somewhere, sneakers are awesome. If you're running, training, trainers are cool. If you're working out in a gym, fucking sneakers are groovy, McTavish. If you're running in a race and you're like, and you see Usain Bolt pass you, you know you should have worn um, spikes instead of sneakers. <laughs> Other than that, wow, really? Outdoors and public and shit during the day? Why don't you just wear mandals and a giant sign that says, I never want to be inside a woman the rest of my life. Because that's what sneakers say. And even wearing hats out and about town. Well, hats are a personal call. I can't wear them. If I wear a hat, I look like, you know, yeah, it's horrible. It's bad. There's only one thing. I, I really, I have to give a brucha if I wear a hat. It's horrible. I, for one, think it's wonderful. That wasn't me. That was her letter. Oh, she thinks her husband wearing better clothes is wonderful. I was wondering what she thought was wonderful. As a New Zealander, his style was always a bit suspect. I should fucking say. I've been to New Zealand. And, uh, and I kind of like the music. See, the ladies are insane there. And they sure know how to use it. They don't abuse it. Ain't never gonna lose it. I can't refuse it. Well, I've never been to England, but I kind of like to beat us. Uh, no, I've been to New Zealand, and uh, people in New Zealand don't wear shoes. Like, I've been in Auckland City, and uh, Auckland City is the biggest um, fucking car uh, uh, a Polynesian city in the world. Next to, oh, I, oh, I do have it. Um, next to, uh, Honolulu, which doesn't have as many Polynesians. So you thought I made that fucking song up? And But like you go to a, a, a filling station where people are pumping gas in a car in Auckland City in New Zealand and no one's wearing shoes. Like people are just barefoot and you're like, Shouldn't an island be smaller than this? For you to all be barefoot? Like, shouldn't I be able to see the end of the island from here? Instead of its two giant fucking islands that are three and a half hours from Australia? But that's how they are there. Uh, 
I remember going to a bookstore in Hamilton with my wife, and the dude behind the counter had a cane and no shoes on, and I was like, Frodo? <laughs> I mean, really? A cane and no shoes? And, but you get used to it. Also, the green lip muscles. After a while, the seafood overwhelms you. It just... Never been to Oklahoma. <laughs> no one's heard of Three Dog Night? Uh, and Hoyt Axton? And Hoyt Axton's mother, remember, wrote uh, uh, Hound Dog. They didn't really have a dance. Uh, let's see here. As a New Zealander, his style was always a bit suspect. Did I mention I've been to New Zealand? Uh, but the new look is really on the money. Pow. Uh, perhaps you could add to your podcast that collection and placement of socks in the wash basket is an admirable behavior. Mm. So what she's saying is collect your socks, gentlemen, and put the socks in the wash basket. That's admirable behavior to a woman. When you leave your socks next to the bed or when you leave them strung out across the room like Hansel and Gretel, like you're trying to find your way back to a chateau where a witch lives where everybody's really nice. You don't want to do that. Uh, perhaps you could add to your podcast... Oh, wait, I did that part. He'd then be close to perfect, exclamation point. I don't think he'd be close to perfect. But he'd be better than he is. Thank you. Thanks, Leanne. And thank you, my darling. That's very, very kind of you. Uh, and then... Whoa. They get going on that part. Um, Chuck Negron, the lead singer for Three Dog Night, was such a drug addict that he used to, when they were on tour in Europe, fly back to New York and score heroin and then fly back and join the band. I don't think there's anything more exciting than that. The kind of commitment it takes to actually leave your band on tour and spend 10 hours of a day to score heroin just because you don't know where to score it in Europe in the 70s <laughs> is exciting to me. And the crowd goes quiet again. Uh, flatly and comes out of smart stone. We'll move on. We'll do those and another one. Oh, no. No, we'll do that one now. Because I think it's about time. Uh, it's kind of the boring preachy part here. Um, let's see here. Dear Greg, and this is from... Jeff Chafee, and he writes in brackets, that's Chafee, with a C-H-A-Y uh, hyphen F-E-E, -E, ellipse, you're quite welcome, colon D. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Chafee. Or is it Chaffee? It's spelled Chaffee. Uh, let's see. Dear Greg, I have to thank you and a handful of Tumblr users that I had followed for other mostly game nerdy reasons, for really distilling in me a desire to change the world for the better for our women. Well, one of the ways you can change the world better is to not call them our women. <laughs> Mr. Chaffee, Chaffee, but thank you for that. I appreciate it. I get where you're coming from, baby. If they were our women, we would have them in a corral uh, and they'd have tags on them and shit like that. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, let's see. I admit a skewed and ultimately flatly incorrect version of feminism, but changing my mind has been very liberating. As a dad of a strong, smart, and endlessly wonderful daughter, I cannot possibly sit idle and keep letting things get shittier and shittier for Annalise or my wife, Debbie, 
or even Annalise's possible future daughter. So I'm writing to you today to implore you to help get us all moving. When I have a big problem with so many people's activism is that they energize the masses, then lack a clearly defined action step. Well, since you're someone who didn't know what feminism was until you listened to a podcast, um, your criticism of other people's activism seems a little hollow. However, I'm willing to entertain that and understand that you're coming from a very sincere place, and let's keep moving on with this letter, without my judgment. Uh, like a French toilette. <laughs> I've taken to calling this the art school activism. Oh, have you? Let's just skip down in the letter here to find something more salient. Here we go. Uh, I turn to you. A friend (coughs) I turned on to the Prudcast said recently that she had to be careful listening to you as he's right about everything. (laughs) And he's saying it. And that this ultimately made her very angry. Righteously angry, but still. You've got us, your listeners, prime. Now we need purposed. Purposed. You've got us, your listeners, primed, period. Now we need purposed. I think you'd need porpoises. Uh, It's not already running long when you get this. Could the boring preacher part perhaps include some national action groups that even us non-big city types can toss our support to, or some further reading that's meaningful without being a Jenny Holzer-esque list of slogans. My goodness, you've got, look at you, Jeff Chafee. Keep doing what you do and I'll keep listening. All right, I will. Thank you, Jeff. Sincerely, Jeff Chafee. P.S. Here's something for you to strike out an extraneous exclamation point. Thank you for that. Pass <laughs> that out right now. Uh, P.P.S. Uh, hi there, NSA! Exclamation point. Ah, you didn't mention that one. We're going to tell you to fuck yourself with a chainsaw, but I know you're an entry-level analyst doing what they need to do to put food in the pantry. Uh, Jeff, I love that in your world people put food in pantries. You know where I keep my bread? In a bread box, Jeff. And you know where I keep my pudding? In a bowl in the fridge. And I walk up to it, and I hit it, and watch it go... For reals. I hate the G... uh, Okay, well... That's enough of you. Here's the... Uh, thank you, Jeff, for your letter. I appreciate it. Uh, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman is a fine place to uh, uh, go on the line and listen to someone who is uh, sincere about their politics. Amy Goodman is a tremendous reporter and speaks the truth. If you go to Democracy Now!, you'll, you'll find lots of links and tangents off of her website where you may become an activist on your own. The other thing I would suggest to you, Jeff Chafee, even though you live in a small town, is your small town... I'm certain has several problems going on. The fascists that run it, uh, the people who tote guns around and shit like that. In America, there's a thing lately where Second Amendment freaks uh, walk around with a gun, whether in its belt or in their hand, and go, I've got a gun and there's nothing you can do about it. It's my right. And then police show up and go, it's his right to carry a fucking gun around. Notice I said, it's his right, because no woman ever does this. Only fat, unhappy, ugly, icky, fucking small penis, lizard brain, dickwad guys walk around with a fucking gun in their hand to exert their rights, missing the point of the fact that you have the right to carry a gun entirely. The reason why no one wants you to have a gun is because you pull shit like this. If you had any fucking synapses to rub together and your tiny lizard-like brain, you would understand that wearing a gun into a Starbucks is not the way to exert your uh, constitutional right. That perhaps um, you should understand that the reason why people want gun control and the reason that any reasonable and honest gun owner in the United States should be willing to observe a very long and strict uh, 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 
agenda of rules is that uh, we don't want the mentally ill and those who are unbalanced and those who are unstable carrying fucking guns around all the time. That's what's the problem is in the United States. And so lately, as I say, there was an incident in the playground. You might have heard about it in Georgia. Uh, 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 children were playing a baseball game and a cat showed up with a gun. People go into Starbucks wearing their guns and shit like that in states where you can carry a gun in public openly. And they think that that's a striking a blow for freedom. What you're doing is being an even bigger douchebag than you could possibly fucking imagine. Um, there's nothing more horrifying than seeing a gun uh, in public uh, on a civilian walking around. It doesn't make people think you're keeping things safe. It doesn't make people think you're exerting your rights. It makes people think you're a sociopath that's never been inside another human in your life. And that's why you're exerting this fucking power that you have. That's what it means to people. Any normal, balanced human being would not carry a gun around upon their person. Uh, uh, there's also uh, the National uh, uh, Abortion Rights Action League. They are at www.nayral.org. In America, it's a very important issue right now. We have a lot of sociopaths in the Senate and the Congress. Every state has taken it upon themselves to limit women's right to do what they want with their bodies. They're not only their given right by nature to do what they wish with their bodies, but the um, political right that they enjoy because Roe versus, versus Wade is the law in America. The National Organization for Women, NOW, that's also an organization you can join. You'll find that even in your small community, Mr. Chafee, uh, there is a NOW chapter probably. And if not, maybe you could start one with your uh, wife. Or is it Annalise? Or is it your daughter who's Annalise? Somebody's named Annalise around there. Uh, and the Feminist Majority Foundation, uh, that's www.feminist.org stroke action. Uh, is and also inter-occupy occupy is doing a lot of interesting things uh, the occupy movement has morphed uh, as I said into a, a group that takes up people's debt in the United States and uh, you can go to interoccupy.net stroke get hyphen involved and join those Mr. Chafee thank you for asking we'll be doing more each week what I would ask you the people who listen to the show is if there's a, uh, an organization in your neighborhood and I don't care what country you're in whether it's Francais or uh, the United Kingdom or Ireland or Amsterdam or Finland or wherever you're listening, Liechtenstein even, um, you may write me and tell me the places that you go uh, to enact change uh, in your local vicinity and I will be happy to repeat those on the air because I agree with what Mr. Chafee said. I think it's one thing to talk about shit, it's another thing to join shit and march and it's another thing to be an activist and it's another thing entirely to let the government know how you feel and the corporations know how you feel because that's who we're talking about petitioning here. You cannot petition the government and you cannot petition the corporations through the regular channels. Why, Greg? Because they set up the regular channels. Therefore, your petitioning will fall upon deaf ears. They are already ready to funnel what you are to say uh, off to the side. Here in France, I don't have to tell anybody what the fucking story is because this country has more fucking demonstrations on the street, more strikes, more... Oh, fuck yeah. France is the most activist country I can fucking think of. And... I have been uh, blocked from my destination more times than I can remember here uh, by giant groups of teachers, by people uh, protesting uh, uh, illegal wars, by people protesting what's going on with the, Parisian, uh, the simple Parisian civic government, by people protesting what Monsieur Hollande did before, before Monsieur Hollande, uh, every other prime minister. Uh, this is a place where I remember people on TV stepping in disinfectant before they had to vote. 
uh, for the prime minister because uh, who was that was Le Pen was running and no one would vote for Le Pen so they were forced to vote for um, Chirac and I remember watching people on television step in disinfectant and then vote for Chirac uh, this country doesn't need to be told, but believe me, in America, we need to be told. So thank you for that. Uh, here's a, an article my wife, Jennifer, gave me. Radiation leak could be due to kitty litter. A mysterious radiation release that closed the U.S. government's only permanent nuclear waste dump may, be, may have been caused by kitty litter. Officials are following up a theory that the leak at the waste isolation pilot plant in New Mexico was caused by a switch in the type of cat litter that is mixed with the toxic, toxic waste. If there's one thing the American government can't handle, it's cat shit, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and leave it to us to blame in the press uh, the, uh, a, a radiation release on the cats that live there. Because they, what was it? A switch in the type of cat litter. Um, who switched it? Was that some sort of executive fucking decision? Did Obama and the White House go, the litter in New Mexico needs to be changed? <laughs> the kind of change the cats were hoping for. <laughs> I don't think he did. Uh, a couple of articles from the New York International Times. We'll do a couple questions and then we'll fuck off into this good night. Uh, the New York International Times has replaced the International Herald Tribune. Uh, I thought this was an interesting one. Yeah, I still have newspapers. The U.S. protest timing a French deal with Russia on the front page. Warship sail could shift power balance as West seeks unity on Ukraine. First of all, nothing's been true in what I've just read you. U.S. protests timing a French deal with Russia. No one in the United States knew there was a French deal with Russia to sell them warships, so no one was protesting. This was the federal government of the United States that protested this. And by the way, uh, Mr. Fab Fabius met with Mr. Kerry uh, yesterday, and neither of them discussed this issue at all. So I don't even know what this headline means. As far as I can tell, no one is protesting the sale of French warships to the Russian government. However, it is a headline on the International New York Times. And I will only remind you what Noam Chomsky said, which I've reminded you far too many times on this show. There is no lie big enough the New York Times will not put on its front page. No one has protested it. No one knows about it. And yet, there it is right there on the front page. You can see it. This is what newspapers do and what everything on television does and what everything you hear on the radio does and what everyone but me does. Lie to you constantly. Why should we believe you, Greg? You oughtn't. I have my own agenda. Don't fucking believe anything you hear. Think critically on your own and make your own fucking decisions. You're grown-ups. Um, and some of you go to really nice places where there's chateaus and tutus and whatnot. And uh, Debbie the wife spoons soup into a bowl and shit. So you should fucking really think about your shit. Don't just glide along through life going, well, I think I heard something. <laughs> Warship sale could shift power balance. I don't fucking think so. How is the sale of French warships to Russia, Russia going to uh, uh, alter the power balance in the world? All it will do is expedite Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, which, one, is already unwet, on, underway. Two, is unstoppable, because no Western power has the slightest intention of interfering with any plans Vladimir Putin has. But isn't Vladimir Putin a psychopath who should be stopped? To be sure. Um, name me a first world country that's not in bed financially with the Russians. Secondly, name me a first world country that's going to defy him and put troops on the ground in the Ukraine. 
to defend their fucking democracy or whatever it's or Ukraine rather to, to defend that. It's not going to happen. This is one of those wars like Syria where it's best if we all stand on the sidelines and watch the heads roll into the fucking blood gutter. That's what this war is about. I'm sorry to be a bummer, but that's what that's what this war is about. Other wars are different. The wars America starts are wars of liberation. We're liberating oil from countries that are hiding from us. There is no oil uh, that we can get from the Ukraine, legally or illegally. France made this deal with the Ukraine years ago. My understanding was when the Iraq war started uh, in 2002, 2003, well, they were planning it for ages, but 2003 when it started, the reason why France didn't jump in right away and the reason why America had such a huffy fit about it was France had made a huge deal with Russia regarding the oil there and our war fucked up that giant deal. So the French government was in no position to fucking jump in and send troops to help us fight a war against Iraq when they wanted Russia to have the oil rights that they had already bought from the Iraqis before we decided to invade. It's a very complex situation. I'm not here to explain the whole thing. I just want you to understand that money is more important than any human consideration you can think of. If a small baby lying in a crib gets hit by a fucking rocket, <laughs> shit happens. But if a profit goes down by a, a fraction of a percent, the New York Times says the balance of power may be shifted. Um, the corporations will always be sure to tell you what's important to them. Uh, on the television and in the newspapers. Uh, the French government uh, politically besieged at home. The more pressing issue appears to be the 1,200 jobs created by the contract because there's a giant contract uh, to sell a bunch of warships to Russia from France. 1,200 jobs. Do you really think in a country with... How many people live in France? 70 million? How many? 66 million. All right, I was close. I, I upgraded you by 4 million. 66 million people live in France. Do you think the issue is really the 1,200 jobs that are going to be created out of 66 million people? I don't do math very well. But even from my horrible, minuscule brain up here, I can tell you, 1,200 is a drop in the concert, a comprehensive ocean of 66 million. No one cares about anything that's written in this article. This was simply written to let you know that the corporations are going to do a big move and they're kind of just sending up a flag. <laughs> Worth $1.6 billion. And that's in dollars, because this is the New York Times. Who of those 1,200 workers is going to receive a portion of that $1.6 billion? Do you think anyone in France will become wealthy off the sale of these warships to Russia? I wouldn't hold my breath and eat a macaroon this hard <laughs> were I you. Uh, let's see here. EU court backs right to disappear from Google. Option to be forgotten would force U.S. firms to obey Europe privacy laws. Um, this is a story. Google, as you know, spies on everyone in the world and uh, barfs up that information to governments most pliantly and acquiescently. They are, in fact, a stooge of all governments in the world. And what they are doing is, when you go on Google and look something up, you may have noticed that the first 10 or 12 pages are irrelevant to what you're looking up. That's because those people paid to have that, uh, their name put first. Secondly, anything you look up can't be looked up according to this law in the EU. In the United States, the law doesn't exist at all. There is no privacy whatsoever. Google, as you know, has giant deals with China. And as you know, China, tremendous democracy. 
rule of the people, voice of the, voice of the one, and all that jazz. Helping drive the impulse in the last year has been Edward J. Snowden's revelations, this is in paragraph five, of data privacy intrusions by the United States National Security Agency, which Google and my Google Mail has been shown to share with the government most, most, most acquiescently. Uh, and some other international law enforcement agencies, which in some cases have involved gleaning information collected by American internet companies, which in some cases, you know, let's be a little more vague about that. You mean every case? Or everyone that's ever used Google Mail? Or everyone that's ever gone on Google? Or if you've written anything into Google at any time, notice it comes up every time you use Google after that? Because they're desperate to collect information about you and start a profile about you and make your life part of their giant corporate internet life where they intrude on everything that's happening in your fucking world and that you had better fucking be careful of all these giant companies because they are not benign in any way. But they're internet companies. Internet companies are on my phone. They seem much more benign than giant oil companies or banking concerns or those who create armaments. Well, they're not. They're not. And I include Twitter and Facebook and Google and all of those entities in this. They are giant corporations. And I will remind you once again, giant corporations have but one goal, and it's called profit. And the other goal, growth. Those are the two goals. They don't have another goal. Protecting your privacy is not one. Making you happier is not one. Making the world better is not even included on the fucking agenda at any point in your life. Google wants your money. End of fucking story. The EU has defied them. Uh, and they've, uh, one of the judges has ruled against them. And they're not going to let them collect data on Europeans. Instead of operating as a single around-the-clock, around-the-world uh, forum for other people's information, Google, and potentially companies like Facebook and probably Twitter, would need in the 28 EU countries to become more actively involved in refereeing complaints from people about information carried online. The companies would also assume the responsibility and costs for removing that information if requested to do so by national data officials, blah, blah, blah. This sounds like a landmark judgment, said Peter Hoosninks, a top European official for data protection. How vague is that? Oh, don't you love top European officials for data protection? Doesn't that make you feel like wrapping a quilt around you and putting a daisy in your mouth and lying there supine until a raccoon, a raccoon comes to lick your genitalia? There's really no more comfortable feeling than when the New York Times tell you, tells you that a top data representative for... Oh, yeah. Uh, the court is saying that Google isn't just selling adverts in Europe, but is providing content along with these services. If you're a regular citizen, it gives you a remedy for you to ask companies to take down their content connected to you. Uh, and like that. And that one goes there, and that one goes here. Um, U.S. protest timing a French deal with Russia. We already have that one. This is the one I wanted you to read, or wanted to read to you, because I think it's so good. Book reveals a wider net of U.S. spying. Dateline, Washington. In May 2010, when the United Nations Security Council was weighing sanctions against Iran over its nuclear program, several members were undecided about how they would vote. The American ambassador to the United Nations, Susan E. Rice, asked the National Security Agency for help, quote, so that she could develop a strategy, a leaked agency document shows. In other words, we wouldn't have known this, and we wouldn't have known that Susan E. Rice had asked for this help, except that Edward Snowden 
had the temerity and the bravery, bravery uh, to release all these documents, and that he is, of course, in exile in Russia till the end of time. You know the country that France is selling warships to that are going to shift the balance of power, and that France is so concerned about the 1,200 people who are going to have jobs riveting those warships. Later that summer, Ms. Rice thanked the agency. You know, there's nothing more gratifying than licking the undercarriage of your master. It just tastes like caramel. Uh, saying its intelligence had helped her know when diplomats from other permanent representatives, China, England, France, and Russia, were telling the truth. I don't know why I'm the only one who finds this funny. Actually, I do. I figured you'd go quiet here. But I find it wildly humorous. Uh, elements of the NSA's role in helping aid American diplomatic negotiations leading up to the Iran sanctions vote had been previously reported, da, 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 in Le Monde. Uh, Mr. Greenwald, that's Glenn Greenwald, he has written a book called No Place to Hide, Edward Snowden, the NSA, and the U.S. Surveillance State. The book was published on Tuesday. He's been doing the rounds. You may have heard of him. Glenn Greenwald lives in Brazil in a jungle far, far away and would tell you never to go on your phone or your computer ever again if you didn't want to be spied on. Uh, Mr. Greenwald's book reproduces a document listing embassies and missions that have been penetrated by the NSA, including those of Brazil, Bulgaria, Colombia, the EU, France, Georgia, Greece, India, Italy, Japan, Mexico, Slovakia, South Africa, blah, 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 blah. That's uh, the government of my country uh, spying on every single other country in the world. And yet, America has the brass to sit there and tell you that we are a force for good in the world, even though we predator drone people and torture people and spy on every other country. You will hear American politicians get up and say that we are a free democracy that does whatever we want and that everyone else in the world should act the way we do. I'm asking you, as an American, please don't act the way we do. Please act another way that's respectable of people's privacy and that has some notion of human rights. I know that that's not going to happen here in France or England or any of the first world countries, but it's, it's my fervent wish. And uh, Mr. Chafee had it right when he said you have to join a local activist group. That's the only way these things change because believe you, uh, me, the government and the corporations are deathly afraid of us having an opinion. And whenever we do, they freak out. And that's where our power is. Our power is in the fact that we can change things and that we do often change things. Um, as awful as things seem and as irrevocable as things seem, they aren't. Uh, the tide of progress moves forward. When I tell you that things are better than they were when I was a little kid, they are. Uh, if you lived 100 years ago and you were a black person in the United States, you would definitely feel that things were better now than they were then. Let me put it that way. If you're a woman and you were alive in 1914 rather than 2014, I think you'd feel that 2014 was a better place to be. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I think we all dig each other in that regard. Now, we'll do some questions over here. I'm going to turn the mic on. You're going to have to pitch up over here uh, one by one and file up to the mic because there's no way for us to go into the crowd because the mic isn't cordless. We'll do a couple questions, then we'll fuck off into this good night. You've been a most attentive crowd, and I do appreciate... Uh, uh, everything you've done tonight. Hang on one second. Let me try to get up without ripping the entire tablecloth off the fucking table because it was caught under my chair leg and I almost pulled the whole thing off like a magician's trick. Just like. I can't see anything, so if anyone can point me toward the microphone, there it is. Here we go. Hooray! Thank you. Uh, we'll do this and then we'll go. 
Anybody? Nobody? If no one wants to do it, we can just go. That's cool, too. No, go on. You have to go over there. How about some lights over there? I'd love another vodka, too, if anybody's still serving at the bar. It's not all boring preachy parts. Sometimes it's funny. Remember the Wizard of Oz earlier in Tutu and all that? Remember the moments we shared? Remember the giant... Remember this? Remember the hockey puck? Listen. That was the sound of a macaroon hitting a microphone. That was harder than a 70s porn star's weenie. No one? Okay. Wow. You know, we've done the show... No, go over there. It, you, have to, you have to walk over there. Thank you. Hi. Hey, brother, what's your name? It's on. It's on. Hi. Hi. Yeah. My name is Karim. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Take the drag line. <laughs> There's Viet Cong everywhere. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, hi. Hi, Karen. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say two things and then a question. First thing, I'm French. And, I didn't uh, give you the floor, but <laughs> all right, go on. <laughs> Alright, go on. It may, it may interest you. Did you just hear that? By the way, that this just split in two and it made an enormous noise. And it broke the mic. It did break the mic. No, that was the iPod falling. Yes, Karen, go on, say your statement. You're uh, French. Yeah, I'm French and I went on my first demonstration when I was five. Oh, I bet so, you did. Oh uh, yeah, so that's quite a thing for us. Uh, second thing, just really quickly. My mother loves you, and she doesn't speak a word of English, so... Really? Yeah. I love your mother. Je t'aime un madre. <laughs> and so, yeah, just my question was, could you upload your playlist or your iPod on your, I don't know, your website or something like that? Thank you. I don't know what your question is. Could you upload your music or your iPod on your website or I don't know what? Playlist. You, yeah, your oh. playlist, yeah. All right, I'll try. Oh, thank you. What's your mother's name, darling? Uh, no, no, her real name. <laughs> Not some fucked up shit you just made up and stuff. Chechima? Thank you. Fa. What was her name? Fa. Ti. Ma. That's quite. What was it? <laughs> Here, no, no, I'll do it. No, I promise. I'm, 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 I'm not stupid. I'll do it. What was her? What was her name? F A T I. S S A T I. No. F. F. F for French. F yes. F A T I I M A. Oh, Fatima! Yeah. <laughs> Mon Dieu! Je suis désolé! Pardon, pardon. Je suis américain, je suis idiot. C'est une blague, c'est une blague. Fatima. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, Fatima. Thank you for coming to Paris. Oh, thank you for coming to the show. I, I really appreciate a French person actually getting up and speaking to me. Uh, thank you. I can't control my iPod, but I want to play Fatima Jam. Here we go. Which pet's address is the finest in Paris? Which pets possess the longest pedigree? Which pets get to sleep on velvet mats? Naturellement, the Aristotle cats. That's the theme from the Aristocats by Maurice Chevalier. That was for Fatima. Yes, my darling, what's your name? Bonsoir, Michel. Bonsoir, Michel. 
Je m'appelle Grégoire. Je suis comédien. C'est un véritable plaisir de vous voir ici. Ah, mais non, d'accord. Une question sur Steely Dan. Yes, sir. I have an opinion on most things. What kind of woman likes Stevie Dan? What kind of woman appreciates Stevie Dan? It's you and me, buddy. There, no, no woman appreciates Stevie Dan. I don't know what it is about Stevie Dan. There's two things that I love that no women love. I love Cormac McCarthy, the author. And I love Steely Dan. And no woman loves either of those things. Uh, do you love Steely Dan? I love Steely Dan. But, but does your girlfriend love Steely Dan? Uh, I've met two women who like Steely Dan. And what, what were they like? Were they, were they men? <laughs> they were the kind of women that make men men. They were the kind of women that make men men. Yeah, but Fucking A, Broham. <laughs> I love those kind of women. But were they, were, did you date them? Were, were you ever, did you go out with them? Or, or were you just friends with them and you were drunk and they were like, I love Steely Dan. And then the truth was they really actually just like one song by Steely Dan. No, I dated them. They love Steely Dan. Which, them. which song, did they have anyone in particular? Oh, Peg, Asia, all of them, the albums. They, they tuned me into it, but they dumped me. I think you have to be a man my age or his age. No, my wife hates to. This is your big day, you. You know why? There's too much electric piano. Women are like, I can't dance to this. It's intellectual. It's it, it, there's too many licks. But like men, like I keep it with your letter, right? It's you're trying to like it, and that's what I love about you as women. You're sympathetic, but you know you don't fucking like it. You would rather hear Chaka Khan any fucking day of the week. And that's the part you hate. But you know why? Because someone's doing this. It's too clever. That's the problem. It's too clever by half. It's your favorite foreign movie is a line in a song. If you had a favorite foreign movie, you'd be cool enough to not say, I have a favorite foreign movie. And women know that. And men are like, I like foreign movies. Because women show their breasts in them, unlike American movies where women just get shot. I don't know why women don't like Steely Dan, but they fucking don't. I'll tell you what women like, and I'm going to play one right now. And every woman in this crowd is going to go, you know what, Greg? That's really fucking cliche, and that's really, really patronizing of you to say that all women fucking like this song. But when you hear the song, you're going to fucking go, I fucking like that song. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
woman in this room who hasn't fucking listened to this song drunk. Sorry. Sorry. So man. I love this song. I grew a mangina listening to this song. Listen to this. I ripped the cord out of my mic. I just destroyed the show. Thank you. We'll turn that down. Is that it for the... Oh, there's one of them. Thank you, brother. You got a steely down. Lisa Stansfield, two for Tuesday on that one. Hi. No girls at all? Have I scared the shit out of you? Yes, sir. What's your name? Scott. Hi, Scott. Question. What do you think... I ain't your uh, cookie, Scott. (laughs) It was good. (laughs) Until I put it in my mouth. And it was was hard. It was a prop. You could have mentioned that before when you gave it to me. I mean, you did in a way. You said, this will be good for comedy. And I should have translated that in my mind, too. It won't be good for eating. When you give someone a baked good, Scott. Like, I didn't give you a donut before the show and then go like, oh, no, you'll really like this. And then you later on, you're like, ah! No, go on, Scott. Did you give any thought to... Uh, I I've given thought about... to so many things, Scott. Think about the I things I think about. about. an all-French baseball team. Yes. What do you got? Oh, I see. You were thinking about it, but then now it's my turn to fucking do an all-French baseball team. Here comes the French baseball team like a fucking Gatling gun. Um, Managing the team, Napoleon, okay? You don't conquer all of Europe and, uh, and destroy Spain and then make a hideous, hideous, horrible mistake against Russia. And... The Lac de Triomphe was supposed to be a giant elephant, according to Napoleon. And then they went with a Roman arch. That's how fucking much of a psychopath he was. When he was crowned emperor by the Pope, he grabbed the crown from the Pope's hands and put it on himself because the Pope was taking too long. Um, Napoleon had more ego than any French person ever except Johnny Holiday. And that's why he is manager of this team. Uh, Behind the plate... Uh, we've got, uh, um, let's see, uh, I'm, you know who I'm going to put behind the plate? This is, gonna, this is a little sassy and it's going to surprise people. <laughs> Colette is going behind the plate because Colette knew everything about how people act and a catcher has to act and react immediately and throw people out at second and I think Colette could do that. Uh, at first base, uh, let's see. Uh, that's it, I'm out of French people. We've got two. <laughs> no, there's... The- made myself hysterical. <laughs> if Napoleon's the manager, don't you think the first base coach should be uh, Josephine? Because there's a giant exhibit to her uh, over there. Let's see, Josephine, okay. Uh, first base, I'm putting uh, Jean-Paul Belmondo uh, because he is bad assador of all time. A little bit short, but I think he can reach for those. Uh, at second base, uh, I'm putting Catherine Deneuve because she's the only second baseman who'll smoke while she's on the field. 
and let the ground ball go by her and go, what, I am not going to pick that up. <laughs> At shortstop, I'm going to put the immortal Rene Claire, uh, who was a, a, a man of some rare wit. At third base, uh, Alain Resnay, who just passed away, uh, the fabulous filmmaker. He'll go over there. In um, left field, Henri Bernard Lévy, uh, because... <laughs> It won't matter to him whether he catches the ball, just whether he gets the credit for it after he catches it. And center field, Jean-Paul Sartre, because it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, the game didn't mean anything before you fucking started it. And you should have fucking known that. In right field, Albert Camus, because you know what? I can chase a ball all afternoon, but I still hate my mother, and you don't understand why. <laughs> On the mound... Again, I've made myself hysterical. <laughs> On the mound, uh, um, Simone de Beauvoir, because she knew everything about how to handle a man's balls. <laughs> when she held them, she knew what she was doing when she held them. And she knew what they meant uh, when she threw it. Uh, in relief, uh, we're going to go Simone Signore, because there's always room at the top. And the owner uh, of this French baseball team is going to be uh, the illustrious Sigoline Royale, because she never got there, but she should have. You have been the smartest crowd in the world. I have been the smartest crowd. Every page that you turn be a satchel page. May every bell that rings for you be a cool papa bell. And if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're very bonds. Good night, everybody. I wish you nothing but love.